Hey Jordan, welcome back. Welcome back to the Content Minds. How's hey, it going? thanks, Rob. Uh, it's going well. I'm yeah, back from my luxurious West Coast vacation. West Coast vacation. Go to TwitchCon. How was that? I did go to TwitchCon. It's yeah. kind of psychotic. It seemed like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It seemed kind of dark. About it was just a little yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about this with our guest. Uh, Coming up, uh, Carter. Does Carter have a last name, or is he just like Prince? He's just, just like a I think, yeah, it's a Prince thing. He's the streamer yeah. known as Carter. Okay, yeah. We talked a little bit about TwitchCon, but yeah, so we don't need to get too much into it now, but the vibes did seem pretty off. Um, as you know, I am a big-time kind of Twitch celebrity partnered streamer as well, and I, I considered going, but I think in retrospect, probably made the better, probably made a good call, uh, given that a miss this year. Yeah, I was walking around the convention floor one day, and I just heard like everyone was like whispering, like "Where's Rob? I yeah, if Rob's here." I'm not surprised. Does, anyone, does Rob have a booth? Yeah, a lot of that going. Where on. is that? Where's the Friendship Triangle uh, meetup? Yeah, conference. Is there a Cana- is there a Canadian corner? Am I at the like am I in the <laughs> wrong part of the floor? I understand. It was very disappointing for everyone, but uh, maybe next year, folks. I don't know. No guarantees. We'll see. I know it's. I mean, I'm really highly in demand, so. You know, can't promise That's anything. True. It's very true. Sorry to anyone uh, that that shelled out the big bucks for TwitchCon though to see me that I wasn't there. You know, I apologize. Or sorry if you shelled out the big bucks for TwitchCon and ended up in the hospital. You know, yeah. <laughs> Broken tail all around, or whatever, all around, pretty, pretty fucked Yeah, yeah. That oh, was fucked. That video wild. of Adriana uh, Chechik breaking her back in the foam pit was extremely difficult to look at. Yeah. It was like really upsetting to look at. Jeez. I just, it's like, it was two feet of foam. <laughs> like a concrete s- floor. On concrete floor. Because I, I <laughs> interviewed the person who in that same pit dislocated her knee. So I was, I just asked her like, okay. Yeah. This is not a nice like with the padding. Yeah, it wasn't. That's the thing. That's where I think they're like really fucked. And I asked, like, okay, what was, like, the padding situation? And she was like, there wasn't any. It was just foam on concrete. <laughs> Jesus. Insane, dude. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't injure yourself or anything. You know, that could have been, yeah, it been was ugly. Said they, you, had, you know how roller coasters have, like, height requirements? This had, right. like, a clout requirement. and uh, I just didn't, I didn't quite. Qual- I, didn't, mm. I just didn't qualify. <laughs> that's That's rough. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, like what, what's your average concurrence as you sign this waiver? Yeah, <laughs> what's your what did those, those engagement numbers? Um, yeah, what do you? How many emotes do you have? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Instead of going to TwitchCon, I was getting yelled at by Nafo. Nafo was coming after me. You know Nafo? You familiar with these? Uh, these I just books? I just learned what it was like yesterday, yeah. but I still don't fully understand what is it. I mean, my understanding is a it's a CIA and NATO affiliated, uh, like unpaid propagandist uh, operation, which is hard to imagine because you'd think with the CIA and NATO and all the vast resources they build, they'd actually pay some of these people. But no, the, a lot of these folks are just like taking time out of their day to post memes to anyone that steps out of line. And for my extremely, I guess, controversial stance, I didn't think it was that controversial at the time, but. 
my controversial stance that like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be like memeing and celebrating over these like attacks, uh, incinerating Russian civilians, because, you know, in the past when we've done that and we've thrown like unequivocal support behind whoever, whatever proxies are fighting the Russians without any criticism or any kind of like uh, effort to, you know, uh, ask ourselves like where that support's going or where the endless arms transfers are going. Historically in the past, that has actually led to some problems. So maybe that's something we should maybe take a look at or pump the brakes on. I didn't think it was that controversial, but apparently it was for thousands of people, including a lot of these, these apparently non-CIA affiliated uh, NAFO types. Um, we're very upset by this. Yeah. The volunteer poster brigade. Yeah. That's uh, pretty alarming. It's pretty offensive that you would not uh, just unilaterally celebrate like government's memeing and like shit posting about like a civilian bridge. Yeah, and just like psychotic. It was really weird, and just you know, all being done like in English too, like basically for like entertainment for Western audiences. Um, I don't know. I just find that kind of weird and grotesque. And and again, there's a lot of historical instances of uh, the United States and you know Western countries, Canada, giving their support to these kind of conflicts. And having that eventually blow up in their faces. I didn't think it was that controversial to point that out. I don't think it's like pro-Putin or pro-Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine to mention this kind of historical analogies. But people kind of read into all kinds of uh, weird uh, directions of, of where of what I was inferring with what I thought was a pretty straightforward sort of analogy about what historically how that's how that's played out in the past. But hey, this is so, how these this is how these this, this is where the discourse is at now, I guess. <laughs> it's always really funny to see when you have pissed people off on Twitter if I haven't seen the original tweet first because we <laughs> get a bunch of like angry tweets at the podcast. <laughs> they're calling the manager, people, yeah. Yeah, they're like yeah, they're trying to like get you fired, which like I've typically responded uh, to these types of tweets with like, Hey, thanks for bringing this to our attention. We just promoted Rob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the, the G posting, like the G dunking on cancer <laughs> was like a really, really funny one. Uh, yeah. That was a classic. Yeah. It, it's, it, there's a couple things here, right? Like, yes, we should, we should be careful about how we celebrate arming, uh, anybody around the world because that has just never been consistently uh, a safe long-term thing to do and also on the response to this type of stuff and the western response it shows just how comfortable the west is with war because it's never fought here and yeah. it also shows people's ignorance uh, to and about just how horrifying war is and i can't i can't remember the quote exactly but when spencer ackerman who wrote the book reign of terror which was my favorite book last year uh when he was on our show he left with a comment that like just has stuck with me ever since and he talked about the dangers of gamma, gamification of war and people who trivialize war. And this is something, obviously, that like Chris Hedges has written about a lot as well. And it just like for anybody who hasn't experienced it or seen it or covered it in real life, there is a detachment 
And when you consume it through media, when you consume it through propaganda, you're only seeing a sanitized version of war. And that results in things like we saw this weekend where people were like joking about a fucking bridge being truck bombed where, you know, or, or innocent civilians dying. And that shows how like people's understanding of war also dehumanizes the victims and we find worthy victims and we find unworthy victims, right? For us, the war, and, and, and most, not us specifically, but for the West, the worthy victims are the Ukrainians. So we sympathize with them. We want them to win. When they die, it's a tragedy. And when Russians die, despite many of them being forced to serve even, you know, in against their will, it's entertainment for us. We revel in their demise. It's just really grotesque. I, I couldn't believe... Uh, some of those tweets from the Ukrainian government accounts. It's really fucking bizarre. It was bizarre, yeah. And I just think it's just a dangerous situation, I think, when it seems like the only acceptable viewpoint about this uh, here in Canada, the United States, is the only way that this conflict and progresses just with more escalation, more arms transfers, and that seems to be the only solution that's on the table. And anyone that suggests, like, maybe there should be some kind of de-escalation or some kind of negotiation... Um, or maybe we should find some way to have a ceasefire for the war to come to an end so Ukraine stops being a war zone, gets shouted down and denounced as being like a Putin sympathizer or something. I think that's just a really dangerous situation. And like, lo and behold, when the only option on the table is to escalate the conflict, that's the only thing people are ever able to advocate for. Then when uh, Russia retaliates with their own like horrific bombing of Kiev, and people sit around and wonder, like, how could they do this? How could they? How could they bomb? But it's like that's what that's this what an escalation what looks like. Yeah, I mean, yes. When you're just cheering on this endless ex- escalation of this conflict, that doesn't just mean it's only going to escalate on one side. Like, it can both sides can engage in that, and that seems to be the only acceptable viewpoint that we have here. And that's that's kind of what I was trying to point out. Uh, this weekend and and it just the the level of pushback I got from it I didn't really look at a lot of the tweets usually when people are getting mad at me on Twitter I just kind of mute the thread and just go on with my day and I don't pay much attention to it but um, it really just speaks to how it's it's um, where the discourse is at where pretty pretty much any dissent at all from this just uh, unified chorus of just we need to to escalate 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 and that's the only option on the table and the the level of anger and outrage that people have when anyone kind of deviates from that, it's just kind of setting the stage for something really, really dark and something that can only go to worse and worse places. And I would just hope that people start to realize um, how dangerous of a situation that is. Absolutely. Uh, oh, boy. I think we said we weren't going to talk about this. We, I was just we planning on making that, yeah. fun of NAFO <laughs> and how it was a CIA-backed, astroturfed uh, propaganda operation, but... It's funny because they say like, no, of course, yeah, we're CIA backed, like it's a big joke or whatever. But like John Cipher, a prominent quote unquote former CIA agent, is like has one of these like Shiba Inu profiles. He's all in on the on the whole NAFO thing. It's like it quite literally is affiliated with the CIA. So that's kind of <laughs> messed up, if you ask me. That's fucking weird. That's the so benevolent weird. the benevolent uh, peacekeepers of the CIA who have now also never done anything uh, terrible themselves. Of course. Say that. No, yeah. Sorry, I don't want to get too full into the into the Putin 
propaganda here, the disinformatia or what have you. Uh, exactly. Anyway, we have now that we've got our, our Carter coming on. He's going to get canceled now for these these uh, mm-hmm. uh, everything that we just yeah. said. Carter agrees he co- with. He co-signs that. Yeah, ahead of time, he just said, "Make sure you get my name on that as well." Cosign all those comments. Yeah. He's going to be joining the show in just a few minutes. I would just like to remind it for whatever listeners are still here, if you haven't turned off the podcast and discussed by now, please subscribe to the podcast if you can at theinsurgents.substack.com. Become a paid intern of the insurgents by subscribing for $5 per month or $55 annually. Get access to the uh, wonderful uh, catalog of bonus episodes that we've done over the months and years. Really good stuff. Subscribe to the podcast. Is there anything else that we need to uh, plug? You know, real quick, uh, Canadian Sweethearts, the band Counterparts, just released a new album, a eulogy for those still here. This is totally a break from our political conversations, but their bodies of mine, it's fantastic. Go check out their new album, a eulogy for those still here. It's up there for albums of the year for me. It's, they've put their heart and soul into this album for like a couple years and they've been sitting on it for so long and it finally just came out. The pandemic totally upended that industry. It fucking rocks. It, if you like good metalcore, this this is the album for you. This album is so sick. I would encourage you to stop what you're doing right now, Rob, and go listen to it as well. I will. I mean, I don't... I probably don't listen to enough metalcore anymore. That was more like teenaged me, but I trust your opinion on this. I know you're a connoisseur of this kind of this genre, so. And this is just fantastic work. Like the yeah, whole album is it. just phenomenal. I believe it. Yeah. So become an Insurgent subscriber. Check out that album and stay tuned. Famous Twitch streamer Carter will be joining the podcast right <laughs> after this. You were in sunny San Diego while I was being harassed by the NAFO hordes who were coming after me, and you two were laughing it up. At the yeah, beach. I mean, laughing it up, limping. I walked, I think I looked, I walked 20,000 steps one day, and I'm a streamer. I never go outside. No, so no, I know. My legs were jello all weekend. I thought you were maybe limping from some kind of a foam pit accident. Oh, Because no. I saw there was a lot of that going around also. I managed to avoid the death pit. I actually did yeah. The whole time I was at TwitchCon, I did not go to a single booth huh. because I had too much. It was like I'd get done with something and I would run to something else like instantly. I didn't go to any either just because they're it, like, my type of convention is you go to a booth and they've got like free shit. Like, give me a T-shirt. Give me some stickers. Give me a keychain. Uh, yeah. I, want, I want some knickknacks and doodads. And this convention had nothing. It's like here you can, you know, look at. Uh, monitors that you don't really need and are probably overpriced or come over here you can dislocate your knee or break your spine like take your pick <laughs> yeah it felt like you had to be like uh, you know it's a little classist if you ask me but you had to be a partner or something like because I'm a partner so I got a bunch of free stuff but like uh, even then I didn't have the special star the VIP star which apparently okay, uh, there's was like a pretty crucial tier. yeah the yeah the above the upper echelon damn yeah, I was not a bi-coastal elite for them yeah. to uh, give me the, all the, the cool stuff. This cool swag. Yeah. We had a partner pass, but um, 
Brett and Brooke from TYT took all the hoodies and shit. So Brett has a oh, nice uh, Twitch like woman's alliance hoodie now. So good so, for him. Wait, you guys got hoodies? <laughs> Bro, I got a t-shirt that looks like a jersey that I wore when I was in T-ball. <laughs> I don't know how they got it, but like Brett came back with a hoodie one day and it was it said something like woman's alliance and he said he uh, got it for free because of our badge. Someone just res- sensed how much he respected women. They're like this guy. Yeah, he's just the ultimate woman respecter. It was made just for him. No one else yeah. got that hoodie. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I am, I am uh, a a Twitch partner, but I just TwitchCon. I don't know. It was I was kind of intrigued by the idea of going, but it's just so far away from me. And it's like, am I really gonna go to San Diego to go to TwitchCon? And when I asked myself that question, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, this is the first one I've ever gone to. Uh, I've been a Twitch partner since 2012, so 10 oh, wow. years. So the first ever, I might have been the first partner party ever, or the second one. There was one in Seattle, and it was me and like 10 other people. And that was it. I was like 18. It was like all the Twitch staff, because there wasn't that many back then. <laughs> uh, just in an arcade bar, just hanging out. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a long timer. It was nice to meet uh, some of our our platform friends although carter you and i never actually got a chance to meet i went to your panel and i was gonna say hey but you were being like bombarded by people afterward so i just had a quick hey to lucid um and then we had to go do something and then i never saw you again yeah i was so surprised actually how many people like at twitch which even though twitch has like a giant chatting category right it's the biggest category on twitch um most of those people are like gamers right they're gamers who happen to chat or they're you know people who just do like you know uh nerdy content i don't know how else to describe it i'm a nerd right and so the fact that there was so many people with the political things and how many people look to be active uh was surprising to me Uh, i think it's a byproduct obviously of like the time we're going through like everything is more polarizing and I think more people care now, maybe not than ever, but as of recent, since in my lifetime about politics. So, yeah, that was good. Um, I tried to stir the pot a little bit. I wanted, uh, <laughs> I saw the back row was full of staff. So during yeah. the Q and a, I wanted to ask about, uh, revenue splits and the streamer organization, uh, just get to get something, <laughs> yeah of get course. something out there so just some fun and it's like it's tough i hadn't really given it much thought i just figured oh this might be a good question to ask um and you guys had all said it's like it'd be very difficult and it does definitely seem difficult and i'm wondering and the more i thought about it the more i wonder if it's like having people as part of like something like iatsi or sag aftra or some mm-hmm. sort of other entertainer union like that might be a good way to get started so you all get a better cut of the revenue that you generate from your work i, I it, it does seem like a huge uphill battle but i think that might be something that Here's could a, help you guys yeah, i think you just incentivize it right I, I think you're on the right track so i was a musician you know uh, as long with a streamer and I, I saw more success in music so i like stuck with music for a long time uh, and in music like if you want your music to be protected you re- you register with a performer's rights organization right there's like csac uh, BMI, then there's like, like Sonic is like a European one. There's like one for all different countries and they all kind of talk, right? And that's how you get what, different kinds of royalty and how you get paid and credited. And also like they'll go to bat or they'll have the RIA and their lawyers go to bat for you, right? And it feels like as streamers, like you just have to put the pressure onto it because optics, obviously for 
for Amazon is everything because they're giant, right? So they just care about stock prices. It's not like in reality, they're going to lose money, but they just want to look good. They don't want to be, you know, Comcast, which is rebranded and, you know, scattered itself across the country like a mutating virus. Um, they, they want to like at least have some semblance of an image. So I think them maybe f- like if you like sign a partner contract or an affiliate contract, like part of that is you have to have like a, I think like a creator ID would be cool. Maybe something that is tied to you because you have that when you're an artist, you have like your artist name, which is tied to like this thing called an IRSC when you put out a song and maybe like a content creator ID or like a channel ID, which means that you are a protected creator. Um, meaning you can unionize, right? Or, or whatever. It's easier to they have everyone in a database. You can like send out a mass communication or whatever to truly see change, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah. love to see any any update or or change on that front. I did. I don't know if you both saw, but the Department of Labor <clears throat> announced yesterday they're going to change or they're going to push for changes to how contract workers are classified um, because so many gig economy companies are just exploiting that loophole. Despite you know, especially for things like Uber, DoorDash, Lyft. You know, that is like those people are definitely staff. Their their entire value uh, and wealth is derived from those people driving their personal cars to run errands. That's where the that's where the revenue generation is. So classifying these people as contractors is absolute bullshit. And hopefully, if successful, those people will get better wages, better worker protections and ultimately benefits. So let's hope that leads to changes across other industries as well. Yeah. Aren't yeah. European co- countries like already kind of doing this? I think so. I'm trying to remember, I think there was an article about like the UK maybe trying to like make Uber drivers classify or at least have some form of protection. That'd be great. I did see like Uber and Lyft coming out with statements saying like our employees prefer to be contractors because yeah. of the flexibility. <laughs> and it's like, I'm sure that that's true. Yeah. yeah especially yeah. in America. It allows them. It gives them the flexibility for their fourth job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When they break their legs and they're not covered at all, you know, or they get into their Uber accident and, you know uninsured driver just ruins their life financially forever yeah i definitely can say like with twitch like it would be nice to maybe have a sick day or two that would be kind of cool yeah i Um, i do wish i mean i stream 200 hours a month uh and it it is sometimes well uh, okay so i don't know if you guys know about this there's a new thing called an ad incentive so as a streamer um they they give us like a lump sum of money how much they guess will make off of ads for twitch right um, and like, they'll give us 50% or whatever. Uh, and it's called an ad incentive and you have to stream like a certain amount of hours and run so many ads per hour and you get a lump sum. Right. So, and I can talk about this, like it's not under NDA or anything, but like I've had a month where it was like $1,500 uh, and I've had months where it's like 300. But the thing is the hour requirements are sometimes insane, which is my own undoing. Cause I stream so much. So they just kind of average, right. Uh, but like I had to stream 167 hours or 157, one of the two last month to get that bonus. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. It's live every day. Like there is no such thing as a day off. (laughs) That's something I think more people need to understand because it looks from the outside. If you aren't familiar with the industry, you think, oh, that's easy. Like that's anyone could do that. Yeah. (laughs) That is just go live draining. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I do I, around 50, 60 per month. And it's like that to me is like, oh my God, I can't even fucking fathom doing more than this. Yeah. I, I started streaming twice a day, two months ago. 
and uh, it's it's been rough. One thing is about Twitch though is I, I will say this: it is I don't want to say easier. It's a different battle than like YouTube. In YouTube, you can make a video um, and, and kind of live off of that, for lack of a better term, for like two weeks, right? It'll run its course and it might get popular again in the future. And you can you can kind of get away with it, or you can stockpile videos, right? You could like record a bunch one day and like have three videos to go for the next three weeks. So right? you spend an equal week editing or whatever, and then maybe two weeks you have one. Uh, on Twitch, it's not like there is no getting ahead. It is off the cuff, fly. Uh, you sacrifice obviously being able to edit and stockpile, um, but it's just it's always fly. It's like off the fly. I'm just gonna go live. I'm gonna do whatever, you know. And the moment you do take a break, you see the numbers dropping like in front of your eyes. Like, yeah, it's, ga- it's gamified in such a way to just torture you. The moment you, the moment you stop like, delivering them that income, I, I do think because I've been doing it for so long, I think that has gone away to a little bit, uh, to some extent. But I, I still think there's probably a hill, right? If if you're in like, let, let's say if you're over 200, 300 viewers, I think your threat of of just falling to irrelevancy is gone. Um, unless you take obviously extended like a month off. If you take a month off, yeah, you're probably going to come back. Everything's different. You're not going to know what the current thing is. Uh, it, it's keeping up with trends. Uh, but if you take like a week off now, you might come back to even more people because they'll wonder where you went. Um, it, they ha- There is that little bit of FOMO that is there for viewers. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm a Twitch watcher just as much as I am a, a, a Twitch streamer. And uh, I think back in the day, it was a lot worse, right? Because Twitch is so new. People didn't care about the creators really. Um, they just cared about watching. It was just an experience. Because like I, I was one of the like very top back in the day, and I had took like a year off because you couldn't live off Twitch. There was no sub buttons. This is pre Amazon. Twitch didn't really know how to monetize super well, um, so creators just couldn't make any money. It was all just a funnel. And what I found is I took that year off. I came back and I was at zero, and I was at two hundred, three hundred before that. Literally zero. I had one person. Mm. So I, I think it's getting better. I do think to, I, I mean, I had a meeting with the CEO. I, I didn't sign an NDA, so I'll talk about it. Um, I had a meeting with the executives at Twitch. Um, and there, it is very classical, like tech CEO who isn't really a tech CEO who, who just feels like everything you say to him, he's like, yeah, I totally understand. But in his head, he's like, I don't understand what, what are these guys saying? Like, what's, <laughs> what do you mean you need less hours or what do you mean better discoverability or you give them a solution and the thing they go is like, oh, we tried that. It doesn't work. It's like you tried it for a week in one country, you know, or one region. You, you didn't try it. Like we all know that there's completely different habits, especially when it comes to online media in different regions of the world. Right. Like I, I know for a fact, like, uh, like India probably has a way higher uh like retention rate on youtube i I don't want to say for a fact but it just makes it's what i see in my own analytics right is the retention rate is way higher in like india or or in other countries like uh in asia there's like bigger analytics for like gaming content than there is just chatting right Or, or things like that like it varies so much by region and culture that for them to just be like yeah we tried that in one spot that doesn't work it just feels like a cop out like they, they just don't want to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that just seems <laughs> deeply unsurprising for an Amazon-owned uh, yeah. company. I mean, that's it. I mean, <laughs> sometimes we complain about revenue and everything, but did we consider that maybe Jeff Bezos needs like a 30th bathroom in his mansion? And yeah, he needs, he needs to build that. another rocket or seven. Yeah. 
So maybe we shouldn't be so selfish. Yeah. Why not? How about uh, that? I, uh, so I, I'm working on a piece about just kind of ge- my general takeaways from the convention. Just like, I just left with this really bad feeling. Brett summed it up just the best. And I'm going to just totally steal his, his line uh, because it is, it's just perfect. Everyone walking around, like it just gave me the same impression. And it was like all of these people who, and I, you could like see kind of what level they were on their badge. Uh-huh. So I would see like community members, like chatters or viewers and like affiliates. And like so many people were just walking around with like selfie sticks or monopods, just mm-hmm. like filming and streaming everything. And like, they just want to make it. They want to be the next big thing. And it, like Brett said, it is a convention that is just ultimately the line for American Idol. Like everyone is just there oh. trying to make it. And it left me with such a weird feeling. Um, because like, just to think about like what you guys were just talking about, like the exhaustion and the burnout from streaming so much, that platform doesn't want anything to change because like the more people fear like slipping, if they take a day off or a week off, you know, like the more they're going to put in and that ultimately benefits that company. So you have all these people just grinding and grinding and grinding and many people never really make it to like a sustainable level of income. Just oh. to do this on their own. It's very rare. So it just like, it benefits Amazon, it benefits Twitch, and everyone just wants to make it. And I, just, I think it's like really sad because that, that the entire creator economy preys off of that feeling. You have, you have these like outliers, these people who have these really sustainable careers. Like on Twitch, you've got like Hassan and XQC and people like that who are at the top. And then you're on yep. YouTube, you know, like the Paul brothers and a few other like Mr. Beast type people. But they all, oh, everyone, all those kids watching it just want to be the next big thing and they'll do anything to do it. And they just like delude themselves. And it's really just really sad that this platform is just able to just take advantage of that sentiment. Yeah, it's, it's extremely predatory. Uh, I have said like... I've said this before, but the the predatory nature of it is something that unfortunately I think is unavoidable um, because there will always be people who want to create for others, right? There is those who want to create for themselves. Like when I make music, I guess I call myself like the duality, right? When I make music, I'm making music that I want to listen to, right? Like it's like this, this is something that bangs. Like I like this, this is something I don't want to listen to. But when I'm streaming, it's like, I'm doing this because I love chat. Like I love being able to interact. I love being able to do all this. And like, even for me, like I'm, I'm not a small fish, but I'm not a big fish. Like I barely make it. Like I can survive, but like forget about saving, right? Like the only reason we could go to TwitchCon is because my girlfriend had had uh, some savings from like a year ago. She had like a, a big deal on TikTok and like we just saved that money and then use that to buy our TwitchCon stuff. And even as me and the 0.01% of Twitch it's like I struggle and they don't do anything to like even out Twitch is extremely top heavy and that, that's okay. Like I don't think you can avoid that that much, um, but they could at least attempt by like showing other people or, or giving, you know, a, a more diverse algorithm that shows you. And instead of just bombarding you with like, here's the top, this is the top, go to the top, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the one thing that everyone I know who, is like affiliate or like smaller partner level have all experienced there is just zero on platform referral it's 
you log on. Here's a bunch of people we picked for the carousel. Most of them are really popular already. Here are some recommended channels who are all really big. And then over on the left, you get some suggested channels, which are like the biggest channels if you don't already follow them, like the XQCs, the Sons, that kind of, the, those kind of people. But never do you see just a, a slate of random, you know, 20, 30 concurrent average viewers to boost people who wouldn't otherwise get found if they didn't have a platform elsewhere. That's the only way it seems like you can grow is if you have an audience on another platform and bring them to Twitch. Yeah, yeah. that's basically the only way I was able to ever get my foot in the door. Yeah, also the carousel, like, we, we act like people, I don't know if you're, I don't, I don't know the word to use. If you're unaware, you would think that carousel is a big deal. The front page, right? Like, oh, all of a sudden I have 13,000 viewers like I'm looking right now. Uh, and then you go into the chat and there's like 10 people talking, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, it just inflates it. The best way is to like, I don't know how you would incentivize it, but the just get rid of it i think the best way to do a front page model is actually how twitch used to do it and i don't know why they got rid of this but there used to be uh it would just show the categories like the top watch category i mean this doesn't get rid of the top heavy problem but it's a little bit better it'd be like here's the top categories here's the top six streamers in each category and it's like that's already better and then you could just have a recommended section right below that but instead they have like the channels we think you like and it's every channel I already follow, right? Like there's no diversity. It's only channels I follow. It's uh, it has nothing to bring me. It doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't show me anybody who might be something different or, or diversified. Uh, YouTube falls prey to this too. Like um, YouTube falls prey to this in meaning that like at least the recommended tab can bring you. If you like get into obscure YouTube, you'll find more obscure things. Whereas Twitch isn't like that. Like if you click on an obscure Twitch channel, the recommended is just going to be the biggest streamers doing the same thing, just not obscure, you know? Should we like introduce Carter at some point? I Um, guess. Yeah. I guess. That could be a good thing to do. (laughs) The professional broadcasters Uh, over here. um, We just got sucked into the conversation, man. It's just too engaging. Uh, Yeah. It is. Our guest today is Carter, streamer on Twitch, musician. You can find him at twitch.tv slash Carter. Carter, thank you for joining us. We ask everybody the same question when we start these conversations, which I guess now we should have asked you 20 minutes ago. Uh, But now it's your turn. Carter, are you a gamer? I am. I've been actually overwatched till about 10 seconds before I joined this call. How's the new one? The new one, right? Dude, Overwatch was my game. I put more hours into Overwatch than I think any game in history, and I'm I'm happy it's uh it's back to what it used to be before I quit playing, or at least as close as it can be while being different. It's weird how the original game is just not a you just can't play it anymore. Isn't that kind of odd? That was the odd thing is like they don't have like a classic queue or anything. I was like, well, I guess they're just don't want people to play that trash because it uh. They just, I don't know, there's too many too many things. They ruined it. They they ruined the old one, and this just feels like the biggest balance patch ever. It's uh, it's fun to play again. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I didn't put a lot of time. I played, a, I played a, a little bit of Overwatch, but never put a lot of time into it. Maybe I can think about getting into this new one. Yeah, I like it because I get to play as a cop, and I get to do Brutality, um, an yeah. Overwatch Rob, cop. You'd love that. A big time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I put, like, yeah, maybe 10 hours into the first one. Um I got it on sale during the pandemic, but I was just like, just all Fortnite during the pandemic. So oh, it was bad. And I still am. So you you already you joined at the worst time. It was good. Oh really? Uh, yeah, it was good. And there was a hero release named Brigette, and just broke the game. Just broke it. 
it was just not fun anymore. So I'm still on Fortnite as well. How what do you think wh- of the new wh- season? It's all right. I'm not crazy about all the Chrome stuff. It's fine. I don't know. It's kind of cool, I guess. The only time I play Party, Fortnite is with it? Jordan. <laughs> I yeah, don't play. I'm, I'm like it. I like it. It's fun. But yeah. Oh yeah. What we were talking about creators. I, you know what's funny? I, to I guess shift a little bit of gears, but stay in like the content creation realm. Have you ever? You guys have heard? Okay, I'm gonna sound like a conservative here, but have you guys ever heard of like the alt right pipeline on YouTube? Like everyone. Yeah. Knows, yeah. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did a test on my stream where I call it YouTube speed running, which is where I try to find a creator or like a type of video by just starting on like a, like a VPN, like incognito tab, right? Cookies cleared. I'm a ghost. And I go to YouTube and I try to find like a, you know, either like a, a specific creator or a specific type of video. So like, obviously like finding some things like anime or whatever was pretty easy. And then we were like, okay, let's find specific people. So I was like, all right, let's try to find like Hassan, right? Hassan has a giant YouTube presence. There's about a million clip channels. Um, It took like an hour and 20 minutes to find Hassan. So then I was like, okay, let's do conservative. Like, uh, let's pick, like, what is the inverse Hassan? I was like, okay, Ben Shapiro. It took us longer, took us an hour and a half to get to a Ben Shapiro video. But the difference was to get to a Hassan video required me going through like pretty normy content, right? Like just like reaction videos and like, you know, cut videos or whatever. Just nothing that was like really political led me to Hassan. But the Ben Shapiro stuff, it's like an hour of that was just clicking on Fox News. Like I got the Fox News in about 10 seconds. And then it was like <laughs> the craziest Fox News clips, like Great Replacement, uh, you know, uh, the like Great Reset stuff or why Alex Jones is actually the Messiah, you know? Okay. <laughs> so I just find it, I find it interesting. That was my video actually, that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and it is it is interesting. I wonder if that's something they tweaked too because they were getting so much criticism over it. Because I, I have done similar experiments, and I remember looking for like, as an experiment, just like searching for videos about feminism and how many clicks it would take to get to like top 10 feminist cringe compilation yeah. being owned and stuff like that. And it was very easy to find that. And then from there, then you're in the pipeline and then you're into Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson and all the, all, all the faves, you know? But I wonder yeah. if that's something that's been tweaked because they've taken so much criticism over it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, though, I didn't go back to the homepage and I opened up like that that window again and I clicked on the homepage on accident. But and I hadn't found like Ben Shapiro, or Matt Walsh or anything. And my homepage was like just Daily Wire, like PragerU Daily Wire. So it might just be the recommended tab is a little bit different. And your homepage is like, actually, these are specific creators. Look at this man with a beard who hates trans people. Please watch this. So I, I think it, um, uh, it I think the pipeline, it, it definitely gets your toes in way earlier on like on like crazy like right-wing type stuff though like you dip your toes way before you'll dip your toes in any leftist ideas i I worry about that in general just because there isn't really the same like counterpunch on the left that the right has because the right has just been investing in this stuff for years before on an organizational level like dems and c4s and PACs realize like oh shit like this is something we need to do and I can't, other than like Gravel Institute, but those were like two kids that started something themselves. There's no, there's nothing really on the left other than TYT yeah. that has a big lefty YouTube presence. Um, like it's literally just, just TYT. Yeah. I think the Gravel's a really good, um, because Gravel was created as to be a counter to PragerU. Like if you read their mission or like not yeah. even their mission, you go back to like their second video was like, why PragerU is dangerous, and it was a, 
it was uh, a voiceover by the Bob's Burgers guys. John, I think his name is. H. John Benjamin. H. John Benjamin. Yeah. There you yep. go. Um, and it's a it's a really like good video with like no views. And uh, I I think it comes down to two factors. I think the reason the right is so successful is first of all they have no problem taking like terrible money, oil money, you know, drug yeah. money, like like pharmaceutical yeah. drug money. They they have a no lot problem of those guys. Are, they're basically the, the PR arm of like fossil fuel companies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like if you need union busting, okay, let's just get Ben Shapiro to talk about how evil unions are, you know, and whatever. Uh, and also on the left, we we all recognize this. Like if you're a left person, is like for some reason we don't like to unify on common ground. Like we, we don't like to, we, we like to argue why, like our idea of getting to that common ground is, is more important than the other person's or like what we should do. Whereas the right is like, no, our common ground is like racism. And like, we may want to do racism differently, but it's racism. So we're just all going to like hype each other up, you know, Charlie Kirk hypes up daily wire or is like friends with Candace Owens or Ben Shapiro or whatever. Uh, and they don't really ever like diversify away from, or they don't ever like really poke at each other to any meaning capacity. Candace Owens has had quite the week. Uh, that was one thing that happened yes. while we were in San Diego, the fucking Kanye anti-Semitism oh. bullshit. Yeah. Good Lord, what's he on? That's someone who just needs someone in his life to tell him to stop and just to get help. But like, he's surrounded by enablers and people who just want to be in his circle and yes men. And like, no one is there that he takes serious or listens to, to just be like, just take him by the shoulders I'm like dude you gotta fucking knock it off right now well it seems like anyone like, that does reach out to him he takes he screenshots their dms and posts them <laughs> on instagram and then frames it as being part of some conspiracy uh, against him yeah yeah did you watch his interview telling p diddy to yeah <laughs> to, to text kanye i didn't did you yeah i think uh, i have a conspiracy maybe okay a little psychoanalyzation okay all right so when kanye's mom died i don't know if you guys remember he kind of went a little crazy right? Yep. His mom was his rock. If you've ever seen his documentary, I've only seen clips of it. I've been watching the whole thing, but he talks about how his mom like made him and like everything relies on his mom. And then after his mom died, his dad became a bigger part of his life. Uh, and in this interview, he literally mentions that like his mom was like the Democrat, like left, like, I mean, she sounds a little more left than a Democrat. Uh, she like talked about like systemic racism and all this stuff, but his dad was like a diehard conservative. And I think without his mom, he's like latching on to someone and he's like huh. latching onto his dad who apparently didn't like his mom because in this interview, he was talking bad about his mom. Like he was going in on her and it, it was just so surprising to me to see a man who like talked about how much he loved his mom and like how much his mom did for him and how great of a woman she was to like all of a sudden like, nope, she sucks. She was a dumb demon rat. Uh, she didn't, you know, <laughs> she, she was wrong. She was just trying to like indoctrinate me. Uh, and I, I think that this is coming. I think a lot of what we're saying is like, echoing sentiment like you said of people yes men around him and this time it turns out that yes his biggest hype man is like his father or something well and the amazing thing too is like both with tucker carlson and ben shapiro they're also like happy to have this big a-list celebrity coming over to the conservative side yeah that tucker carlson edited out all the psychotic uh, anti-semitic stuff that he was saying out of the interview and tried to kind of present it as normal and then you have Ben Shapiro, who, like, when Ilhan Omar breathes, talks about how anti-Semitic she is for, like, saying maybe we shouldn't be giving billions of dollars to Israel so they can, like, blow up Palestinian kids. But then he's, like, willing to overlook uh, yeah. Kanye's comments about vast Jewish conspiracies to silence him and stuff. And he's like, no, actually, this is okay that he's doing that. You know, it's like, cool. It's insane. You could be like, yeah, Palestinians are dying unjustly. And Ben Shapiro's like, you're a, a anti-Semite. You actually are a Holocaust denier, everything. 
literally uh Kanye West comes out and is like, well, actually, you know, the Jewish people are greedy or whatever. And he's like, well, he's just saying that because it's his trope. He's just kidding. Or like, he didn't really mean it. And I can understand he just has bad. He has bipolar disorder. We must forgive him. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what do you mean? Why are you? Why can we overlook this? Also, Candace Owens was literally like, yeah, he was spitting. And Ben Shapiro just doesn't mention her. Candace Owens disappeared. Yeah. Pretty amazing. On the dad thing. I think, I mean, that does seem right. Like you said, he's like clinging, like you know, comfortable with his dad now mm-hmm. and, and close to his dad. Also, I think one of his Instagram like text screenshots was his dad like laughing about some of the stuff he said. Or the, you know, it was it was the White Lives Matter shirt. Like, so I yeah, I think that that does seem right. I mean, yeah. and also that he's bad mouthing his mom seems like wildly out of character because like everything about him, including his most recent album, was just like I love my mom. I'm a like I'm a mom lover. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe I, not like an Oedipus thing, but like, you know what I mean? I think he's on his div- divorce dad arc. I think he is bonding <laughs> with his dad over divorceness or whatever, you know, being a, a, a single dad. I think uh, that's they bonded over that and we're like, yeah, that's right. We're going to buy a Corvette. Well, I mean, he has a lot more money Buy a hundred Corvettes, you know? Uh-huh. I just saw a tweet from about 10 minutes ago. JP Morgan is like cutting him off as a customer. So he's just like, he's going to start losing so much shit for what he said. Like, I think Adidas wants out. Uh, JP Morgan wants out. Like, all these people who have like bankrolled him and like supported him and financed his operations are just fucking cutting him off. Like, this, this really could be one of the final nails in the coffin for this guy. Yeah. Um, I also, as like a musician, um, or, or I guess like, as like a, like not me being a musician, but as him being a musician, like, we think of Kanye having like unlimited money and just being extremely wealthy. But I bet you most of it is tied up in assets. Like just knowing yeah. how like those people operate, like like uh, celebrities, like the Johnny Depp thing was a big eye opener for a lot of people, like finding out that he was actually broke and just like kind of living off clout. Like I think he'll be fine, obviously. I think he'll have plenty of friends who are willing to like bankroll him or whatever or whoever, you know, well now the right wing will. Um, yeah. But what's well, yeah. like a lot of them are are counting on the millions continuing to roll in indefinitely, right? And everything's tied up to the yeah. under, with the understanding that that's going to continue. That gravy train is going to continue to to roll. Yeah, I I, I think it's uh, it's surprising how much we overvalue. I mean, it, it's not surprising because there is astronomically wealthy people out there, but like celebrities, we overvalue their wealth sometimes so unimaginably because it's such a status thing. I mean, that's obviously a byproduct of like the capitalist system we live in but like we we value or we like put these celebrities because they're so well known they must have infinite money it's like no but like they are in the upper class and they get like free stuff and they'll be fine forever um but like he'll feel it i definitely think he'll he'll lose some agency you know i don't don't know how else to describe it but he'll lose his ability to just like spend money right speaking of someone Uh, else that's going to lose their ability to uh spend money I don't know if you know where I'm going with that with that segue, but the Alex uh-huh. Jones verdict. I just saw that. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. What is like 950, 950 965. Million? Yeah. $965 million in damages to the families that suffered from his false claims in 2012 about Sandy Hook Elementary School. Man, it's like you can't even get your deranged fans to harass uh, parents of murdered children anymore. What is this country coming yeah, to? Yeah, my woke free nonsense. Yeah. But I, like okay, here's what I don't under. First of all, no one's ever going to see any of that money, and uh, that is probably true. Yeah, 
Dude, the Alex Jones thing, I, I've seen amongst our, our sphere, like, uh, of people, like, in our, like, you know, adjacent to us or whatever, is, like, people are like, he is so incredibly wealthy. Like, I, uh, I think Alex Jones is probably not very good with money. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> he's probably not that good with money, uh, considering there hasn't been, like, more expose about, like, all the money he has. There's only been the one thing where they made, like, $800,000 a day for, like, two months, which, don't get me wrong, is fucking insane. But, like, he claims to have put it all back into the business, which, if comes out true, like, that's gone. Like, he is, uh, unless he's got a real good accountant, I think, uh, I think this will hurt. I think they picked a good amount to sting. Been through a divorce as well. That probably yeah, oh, didn't help. yeah. I almost had an interview with Alex Jones right after that so close really? <laughs> my my girlfriend had somehow gotten contact with his like booking manager or whatever and they were texting back and forth um or no it wasn't the divorce trial it was the first sandy hook sorry it was like the very first thing right before anything had been decided he hadn't even gone to court yet um and they were just talking about it and so we were gonna do a i was gonna do it on my stream i was like this is gonna be the biggest stream ever and then the verdict came out that like the first one that he's gonna like have to go to trial ghosted Oh, oh it would have been no. so good. I remember I got invited to go on Infowars one time with Owen Schroyer, the the B team, <laughs> one of my nemesis, one of my online nemeses. But he I didn't end up doing what happened? It. What happened to Paul Joseph Watson? Is he still kicking around? I don't know. I think he's distanced himself from the whole thing because I think when the whole Sandy Hook controversy was going on, not to give too much credit to Paul Joseph Watson, another one of my online uh, nemeses. Um, but I think he was one of the guys going like, maybe we should tone down on some of this uh, Sandy Hook stuff and kind of sensed that uh, which way the winds were blowing and kind of distanced himself from it. But Owen is a diehard. Owen is uh, Owen is like in the going down with the ship. Like we should ask him um, where he was on January 6th. He was at the Capitol. He was oh, there. He was there. Yeah. He was there? <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, I think he got charged. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, have you guys seen all I the- think they also did like a man on the street. Someone recently did a man on the street interview, like not knowing it was him. Like one of the major networks a couple months ago were like, oh, Austin resident uh, Owen Schroyer had this to say. <laughs> and like they're in a local news broadcast. Um, I love that clip, though, of him like just totally misreading your tweet about yeah bringing illegal ballots into the country yeah. just honestly just incredible moment yeah that was a that was a pretty wild wild time <laughs> printing it out and then yeah, like trying to <laughs> dramatically pick it up as it slips off the table <laughs> he printed out my tweet and was reading it out on infowars i was like this is what is happening right now i think that's what i i think that's a th- trend i've noticed remember my the cia guy i was talking about earlier johnny harris he does mm-hmm. in his videos, he always has like a ton of paper and maps and like reads things, you know, like physical objects. Official. Yeah. That's what I think I'm going to start doing for my stream. Before stream starts, I'm just going to print off a bunch of random like words. Like what's that filler text they use on webpage? Like Lorps, 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 I'm yeah. just going to print off like a hundred pages of that and just start highlighting That's shit smart. while I'm yeah. streaming and be like, you see here in this tweet, um, he was not there on January 6th. He was, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, speaking in of January 6th. <laughs> Wait. You need to segue it with like this. Just came across my desk. This yeah, is interesting. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I need to have, have my girlfriend. Like, my producer just handed this to me. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll have a button on my desk that like buzzes my girlfriend in her studio room and just like buzz it and have her walk in and hand me some lorem ipsum and be like, hmm, yeah. this just came in hot <laughs> off the press. Speaking of January sixth stuff, have you guys? I don't know if do you follow like any? Of, there's like this lady on on Twitter who puts out like hog tiktoks and they're just like 
insane. Like some are like the the Civil War is coming. But every day there's like three or four of self-reports of like people that were like at the Capitol or like in the Capitol that like decided, oh, it's been a year or two. I could just post this on. I could post this on TikTok. No one's going to come for me. Yeah. That's their last post. (laughs) That's like their last one. Well, it's because that's the it. thing. It's like they, a lot of those people that did the January 6th thing, they were doing it for the clout, right? Oh, they were yeah. doing it for the live streams and for all the, the likes and stuff. And even though they know it's risky legally, they're like, I have to tell people that yeah. I was there because it makes me cool in these like conservative, on, weird online hog circles. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny how like uh, you tend to think of like online leftists to, or like terminally online leftists. But I think... Like there is, there's like that boomer generation that's discovering TikTok, you know, like conservative boomers and it's like content brain has hit them hard. Like their 2012 content brain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't feel bad <laughs> for these people, but I do think it speaks to uh, how, again, to go back to the platform thing with Twitch, like you just, you're constantly in this grind and you think that like, oh, I just got to do a little bit more. I got to get the best content. Got to do a little, something a little bit more edgier each yeah. time. Just, and, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to be the next big Candace Owens. I'm going to be the next big Ben Shapiro for them. I'm going to be the next big, I don't know, what, whoever the fucking live stream people, right wing people There's, are. There is none. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're all on like uh, Rumble. Rumble or, yeah. Yeah. They just can't last. Um, they can't last on Twitch. It's not because no. they're being silenced. It's because they come out and be like, well, actually, uh, the vaccine is giving you nanobots. You know? That's true, though. But there, yeah. there was a big one. <laughs> I miss him. There used to be a guy who streamed. I used to, like, dedicate a segment of my stream once a week because he would stream on, like, Wednesdays. So Thursday morning would come on and we'd do VOD review of this guy named Phil. I'm not going to give his whole name because that gives him clout. No free clout. Yeah. And uh, Sorry, Phil. He would, uh, he would, like, come on and he's a flat earther, by the way. And uh, he would come on and he'd be like, you see, uh, I actually know how to decode Q's messages and like tell us what they were on stream. He'd have like 7,000 viewers. And then <laughs> one time, the real, like the real banger is he comes on stream. He goes, chat, today we're going to watch a documentary. And it was about how an astigmatism allows you to see different dimensions. And you can't have, I mean, huh. it was obviously just JQ stuff. You can't have a specific kind of blood that happens to come from Israel. You know, uh, otherwise Ah. you can't see these dimensions and that they're hiding the ice wall or whatever. And it was one of I it just made sense to me, like the the content brain that these guys could have if they just because he was making it up on the fly. Like a lot of it, you could tell he was just like a story, like writing fanfic, kind of like Donald Trump fanfic. It's like, man, imagine if these people just wrote for Hollywood. They'd be so good. But instead, they're telling us how this is real. Like they can't separate it. Yeah, it, it, I looked into a lot of those guys as well, especially around the time that like January sixth was happening and the whole like trend, the whole uh, transition to the the Biden administration. All the people that were telling their audience to like, no, Donald Trump's still the president, yeah. and really it was a twin that was it was not Biden that was sworn in. Yep. the real swearing in was in the White House was Donald Trump, and it's amazing how many of these people have come from like the the sort of metaphysical like world of like crystals and healing and, yeah. and that kind of stuff, and transitioned into that Q content because they could see that's what the audience was and that's where the the money was. Yeah, I remember when Crystal Mommies were like, you know, wearing BLM shirts, and now they're. Yeah. Now they're telling me, you know, Q is actually right and that Donald Trump is controlling Joe Biden from the shadows, which makes <laughs> no sense to me because like, wait, you get mad at Joe Biden for doing things, but Donald Trump's in control. Like, yeah. I'm so confused. 
if he's doing it, you should be happy. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the best one, the biggest, the, this is very common in Q circles, is that Canada is actually just America too. And Donald Trump is in control of Canada. Um, and he's organizing up in Canada <laughs> under the shadow to hide from the swamp or something. Yeah. Well, he did the whole trucker convoy. Yes, of course. exactly. He was driving. They're, they're our new government now. Yeah. So it's surprising. That's it's, actually true. It, that is that is factual information. <laughs> it's surprising exactly. like how many bro, our brain rot in the Canada has like, I feel like ramped up. Well, I think Canada's always because like, I'm Canadian. I'm here in uh, Montreal, even though okay. Quebec doesn't really count as Canada. But I mean, I think Canada's always been very underrated as a weird right wing country. We've kind of flown under the radar under this guise of like politeness and um, not being as as wacky as America. But Canada, I mean, one of Canada's biggest exports is weird right wing demagogues, you know, from Jordan Peterson, um, the, the, the Lauren Southern types. Um, you know, we've got, we, we, uh, uh, even fucking Steven Crowder is Canadian. Oh, he's yeah. from the South shore of Montreal, even though he's this big American Patriot, uh, flag waving dipshit Tom now. McDonald. He's fucking Canadian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think Canada's always flown under the radar, um, as a, as a really reactionary right wing country. Um, it's just now it's being exposed more recently, but it's, I think that's, it's exposing something that's kind of always been there. Yeah. Have you guys, uh, speaking of that. Have you seen like there's like a, a big plan for like there's like two or three states or maybe more that want to secede. Speaking of seceding, you reminded me when you said Quebec want to secede and join Russia. Oh, nice. Yeah. So apparently there's cool. like some states that <laughs> decided they want to be Russian now and the Russia or maybe they haven't decided. But Russia said that they would invite them to become part of Russia. And it's just I, what the fuck? Was it like the Alabama People's Republic or something like that? Yeah, or something like that. Liberty of the South or some, you know, racist organization probably. Yeah. (laughs) My, 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 what I want to do is I want Quebec to separate from Canada and I want Vermont to separate from the United States and form a super, a super state. Oh, yeah. Quebec, Vermont (laughs) and become a global superpower and the dominating the maple syrup trade. And I already thought Vermont was part of Canada. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. I always This is what I'm saying. This is my argument. yeah, I'm sure the like the French Canadians are gonna love that. They're just gonna love just yeah. integrating part of America into a new super state. They're just yeah. so they're so cool with non-French speakers as is. I'm sure they're gonna That's love right. Vermonters. I think that I think they'll be <laughs> sold by just helping to destroy both America and Canada simultaneously. That maybe you can get them on board with it. Hey, I'm gonna work Can- on if it. If anyways. the Canucks have a good season, maybe they'll be just placated. Yeah, <laughs> hockey's back. I'm just very excited about that. I've been to a hockey game. I've never in my life watched hockey outside of that hockey game I went to. <laughs> How was that though? Uh, it was good. I went to a San Jose Sharks game when they were good. Like they were okay. like one of the best teams nice. and it was good. I enjoyed it. I wish there was hockey close to me, but I live in literally the middle of nowhere. So you're PNW, right? Yeah. Yeah. I live in Washington. Okay. Yeah. So Kraken's too far. Yeah. They're, they're a little too far. Other side. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to get any hockey in Idaho. <laughs> No, no, you're not, bro. The only thing you're getting in Idaho is Nazis. Jesus, yeah, I, yeah. I posted a picture uh, on Twitter of like someone with a big sticker on their drum truck of like an old school like blackface picture, like eating water, like the most racist character, like a, a blackface picture, like eating watermelon, had like a big Confederate flag and stuff on it, and I was just like, oh, okay, like I thought like in my life the the Aryan nation was kind of run out. There was like what's his name Butler. He had uh, he'd been kind of run out when I was young, um, so the racism had died dialed back. 
But I mean, since the Trump era, it is, it, or since Biden actually got elected, it's ramped up. Like it is, it is bad. I imagine too. Like the it's it's crazy to see the backlash to Biden. Yeah, acting like Biden is some like radical radical socialist or something when he's this is this historically like very centrist or even right wing almost like conservative figure yeah. and they react to him like he's this fucking dangerous radical God, uh, for even country. the few basic small things that he's done like in terms of like student debt the the sort of half-assed version of student debt relief or the half-assed version of uh marijuana decriminalization that he's doing is just so upsetting to them you know yeah, I in any other country, right? He would be like a conservative. Like he would just be right wing, straight up conservative. Yeah, I I always say like, uh, it, it's crazy to me in America that we keep a well. I mean, we let them right. There is no pushback. We just let like conservatives deem other conservatives like Nancy Pelosi or, or Joe Biden, right, as like some bastion of leftist ideas. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, what? And, and the, the one that are truly leftist, like Fetterman, right? To me, Fetterman is a, is a good pick. Like Fetterman's a really cool guy. Um, I, you know, I like a lot of things. He's been a Bernie Dyer, you know, a uh, ride or die since day one. And they, uh, and like even Fetterman has to somewhat bend to like electoral politics on things that like leftists are adamantly against. Like you can tell, like, I just watched his interview where it was like, are you tough on crime? And he was like, is that even a question? It's like, you know, he, he doesn't, he's forced to say things that I don't know. I don't know the guy. So I, maybe that he believes in or doesn't believe in, but you can tell like, he's not going to give you like a whole fleshed out answer. Like, uh, like a, you know, Ben Shapiro would, or like a Dr. Oz would give you some like, well, actually there's way too many criminals coming over the border that we need to actually execute the moment they show up here. And it's it's just insane to me that people like claiming, I mean, right wings always claim we've shifted to the right, but we, we just haven't. Like we have, or, or I mean, to the left, we, we've just done the opposite. We've actually shifted to the right. We've not shifted to the left at all. Like Joe Biden would never be a centrist in any other place in the world ever, like, or any other developed country. He would just not be a centrist. Betterman think like on that framing, the crime stuff mm -hmm. is something that I the right has really gained traction with and. The media has been ironically as well. so. The media, totally, absolutely, like the framing of like crime on the rise, like crime and especially uh, in places cities. where they elect like yeah, like more progressive DAs it, yeah. and, and everything. Yeah, but you saw that in San Francisco. That guy's out and crime's up. Like so, it's clearly not yeah. a one to one. Like whoever the prosecutor is, and you're not going to same. You're not going to get the same sort of breathless coverage uh, of whoever replaced him. And. This type, like it's it's bullshit because if you look at the top ten states with the highest murder rates, like eight of them are Republican. Yeah, like they're red states. So it's like it's total, like it's totally bullshit. This framing, like the issue, if you're really worried about murders, the issue is gun control. But they don't want to talk about that, and they want to frame it as like sort of like prosecutorial, uh, you know, weakness or yeah. uh, an approach to criminal justice or reform or defunding the police, despite nobody even fucking doing that. Um, but another thing the media has been doing that's really frustrating uh, in attacking Fetterman is I, if you saw that interview with NBC last night, all these reporters rushing out last night, like, oh, this is bad for Fetterman. He needs like a he needs a a, a voice to text uh, translator or um, transcription service because of his stroke. He's he's not. Is he fit to serve? Oh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvanians have a tough choice. It's like I don't really 
care? Yeah, like he could he be answered, deaf. He answered the and questions. It matter, you know, like if, yeah, who, who fucking cares? I, it was just like I, I, I kind of hate this term, but it was like the most ableist things. It was like, yeah. bro, like we have elected officials who are vampires. They've been yeah. there for a thousand years, and you're getting <laughs> mad because Fetterman like likes something else. Listen, I speak English. I'm born speaking English, and when I watch like certain shows or movies. I have subtitles because sometimes I just can't or bro British shows British people don't speak English okay <laughs> I, I have to have subtitles on they're gonna say something and sometimes they even say things in English and the subtitles don't make it since they say some saying I've never heard and I'm like what does this mean you know and uh, I, I think that to blame his hearing is just so it, it just it's like oh okay like obviously all media in America is pretty right-wing like there is no there's no left-wing like mainstream media, like even NBC just going in about like, is he fit to serve because he had to have a, you know, a text to speech or whatever, or he had to have closed captioning. It's like, yeah, he is. Cause when he's in office, they're going to provide, there's accessibility support in uh, when he's doing Senator things, you know, there will be a, an interpreter. There'll be closed captioning for him, like, or he'll get a hearing aid. You know, it's, it's yeah. not going to be this big thing. How many senators are like 90 fucking years old? They can barely hear to begin with. Yeah. There was a story a couple months ago that like dozens of them, like there's doctors in D.C. who are like confidentially admitting that like many of them have dementia. Like uh, Feinstein. Feinstein specifically. Her own staff is like this person does not know where she is. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, you know, it speaks to this fundamental problem with mainstream journalism, not just in America or Canada, but like everywhere, um, where they just have to create this false sense of balance. And they see the situation where Fetterman is is running in this campaign uh, against this utterly fucking disaster of an opponent, Dr. Oz, this like dog killing fraud um, who doesn't even live in Pennsylvania. And he's just repeatedly getting owned over and over on social media and every single, uh, 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 issue that comes up so then of course the media has to step in and be like well we can't just like cover this campaign the way it's actually unfolding we have to now go on the attack on Fetterman and try to create some false sense of balance or this create this kind of fake horse race situation um, and it just it seems like that's their duty because they can't if they were to just cover the race as it was going they would be accused of be having some kind of left-wing bias so they preemptively shut that down by going after Fetterman for this random bullshit yeah it feels like the right is like kind of like dipping their toes in to see how far they can go right you had like donald trump marjorie taylor green like lauren uh bobart or whatever you have like ron DeSantis, but now they're getting like even crazier you're having like herschel walker right and they're having uh like there's a like literal nazi guy i can't remember his name oh he's from like kentucky or something surprising um but oh there was also like the democrat kkk guy uh they're just like pushing the the envelope or like the bar to be like what can we get away with like let's find the line of what people are willing to elect or how far our money goes like dr oz is such a good example of that too like this guy doesn't even live in pennsylvania and he's gonna he's he's like putting up a fight against fetterman who's like a diehard pennsylvanian who like knows all like he's in like the people the community know him like he's uh he's like this big also like strong man like he's exactly like what even right like conservatives want to see they want to see a big strong man like a big tall dude who looks like he doesn't give a shit who like did vigilante justice which they all get a hard on for like think about how much conservatives like froth over the idea of like kyle rittenhouse type shit and the fact that they are are trying so hard to push oz against like a candidate that in is probably gonna i hope 
it looks like it. Fetterman's going to win. Um, but it, it's just insane to me. Like they're, they're pushing the line. They're just trying to see what they can get away with. You have any predictions for the midterms? We're four weeks out now. Uh, polling in the Fetterman and Oz race is a little bit more separated than some of the other ones. You know, Mandela Barnes and Ron Johnson's pretty tight in Wisconsin. Uh, it looks like <laughs> Nevada might go red. Uh, Club for Growth, I just saw it pumped like a million or two in one day into that race and just negative ads. Um, you know, South or North Carolina's kind of close. Uh, do you do you, where do you think we're going to end up after after midterms? I think it's be pretty close. I uh, I mean, it seems like the right testing their waters is kind of backfiring to some extent. I think I saw like it was either yesterday or the day before. I, I can't remember the article. Um, where it was like, it looked like the, the Democrats had gained some ground. Like they were big time down. Like they've been projected. I think they're still projected to lose. Um, but I have faith. I, I don't know. I am a, a hope. I'm like, I'm full of hopium. I, I think that, uh, it's a hopeful thing because I do think that Joe Biden, uh, you know, the marijuana thing wasn't much, but it's good for optics. And I also think that the Roe versus Wade thing was so damaging to Republicans incredibly. I think they underestimated how incredibly damaging it would be. Like even conservative family members of mine are pretty yeah. devastated. Like my my grandmother, who she's a self-proclaimed Democrat, but let's be real, she's not. She's like a 1950s Democrat, you know? <laughs> um, like even she was like that, we're going back to the Stone Age. And it gives me hope. It, seeing my, my grandparents are kind of my like barometer of how things are going. Um, cause they live like in a border town. Right. And so they get bombarded by the worst local news and like that. My grandfather is like really into politics. And so I kind of use them as my gauge because depending on how conservative my grandpa is feeling gives me how much faith I have in the conservative party. And right now he's, uh, he's pretty, he, he's pretty much thinking that like, there's way too many like crazies like Marjorie Taylor green, Lauren Bobart. He like hates them. He thinks that like the Herschel Walker, he's like Herschel Walker is brain damaged. Like he shouldn't be running. Like it, not in like brain damage because of why well, I mean, he's literally brain damaged because of CTE, but because of uh, everything that's been going on. It does seem like they overplayed their hand with that um, quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. I- the voter registration alone in the immediate aftermath of Dobbs, I think forty six states saw a huge uptick in voter registration. I, I think that's pretty telling. But now it's just getting people out to vote, having them understand that it might not be because of attacks on voting. It might not be easy. It might not be a very quick in and out process. You might not be able to vote at home, but this really matters. And uh, sure, like Biden sucks. Like I, I can't stand the guy, but like it's not going to get any better if he has you know a Republican Congress or and ultimately loses in 2024. Like if you get a Santos in a Republican Congress in 24, things are going to get so much worse. And I understand the cynicism that a lot of young people feel. Like we've talked about that on this show a lot. We talked and recently a couple episodes ago, we talked about that with David Sirota, who made a really good point. Like, you know, a lot of people see voting as this like act of personal political expression, and it's really not. And changing the way you see voting really helps because it just it, you know you're able to shirk all these hang-ups that you might have about who you're voting for and why like i don't really give a shit 
Like, I just, I don't want to live in a country where many states have completely outlawed abortion and are, and some are trying to make it criminal to even leave the state to get reproductive care. And there are Republicans in Congress calling for a national abortion ban. That's just one issue. On climate change, they're going to make it worse. If they have control, they're going to make it worse. And that cynicism only helps polluters. It only helps big banks. It only helps Wall Street, private equity firms, and the worst fucking people in the world. So it's not a personal act of political expression. It is one step of many to try to fight back against these things. And it's not just you check the box, you vote, you're done. It is a long, sustained process. So it goes beyond voting. It's about getting involved in organizations locally. It's getting involved in organizations nationally, it's joining your DSA, it's supporting progressive causes you believe in, and mission-oriented organizations. It's all of the above. Voting is just one thing. So getting people out uh, to vote is absolutely critical, and it, it doesn't just start and end there. And I think people who are cynical, like myself and like Rob, and probably to an extent you, Carter, like I think we all understand why people are disillusioned with the system, but uh, it's, it's just, it's troubling that there are still races that should be locks for Democrats after Dobbs that are toss-ups. So what I'm banking on is Rob just bringing over boxes of illegal ballots yep. again. Yeah. We're bringing all yeah. the social security numbers. <laughs> bring them from, bring yeah, them from Canada, needs baby. one of those. Do you think, hit, wait, wait, do hit you my think, DMs. Do you actually think they're going to run Biden again? Do you think I so? I don't know if they have much if choice. If he, like, if um, he's alive, yeah. It's I'm, not like Kamala is going to get anyone excited. I yeah, don't I think, think Kamala you know? is, is way too out of it. I guess I'm, my hopes and prayers are that someone appears, a, a knight in shining armor, appears as a as a good alternative. Because, yeah, Kamala is definitely not popular enough. Um, I, it feels, though, like uh, Gavin Newsom felt like he was making like some noise. You know what I mean? And as much as I think Gavin Newsom is just Joe Biden, but younger, um, I just, I don't know. I think I agree that like, they're probably going to run Biden if he's alive. I, it just feels like I wish for anybody else a little bit, but like you said, you, you just have to do what you can. Like it, it feels like you have no power or whatever, but doing what you can to like activate or tell people like to just vote. like it doesn't, even if you feel like if everyone who felt like they had no power actually voted, you might see like an ounce of change. Not going to see a lot of change because we live in electoral, you know, the electoral college and all of that. But you're going to maybe see like the needle move or 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 you're going to see at least conservatives back off, maybe let off the brakes or opposite. Like I, I think uh, the opposite is happening right now. I think conservatives are hammering down because COVID uh, inspired a lot of people to realize like they value home life and like their family over work and like working till you die. Um, that's why like, I think we had a lot of union movements right out of COVID. Um, not that it's over, but that it eased up. And I think that like a lot of, like you've seen the big anti-work movement and all of those, uh, you know, quiet quitting, those things I think are a culmination of, of people realizing that we have, the only power we have is like if we do something together. So like you Starbucks are unionizing all over and like there's like a Chipotle they unionized and like the John Deere thing and like Kellogg's and whatever. Um, and, and hopefully people take that same power into like pressuring representatives. But when you saw that, like you guys, obviously you probably talk about this all the time, but like as we saw those rise in union, like 
the right wing has got like more and more insane with like unions lead to fascist you know and stuff like that like yeah they're they're just going to you're going to polarize as more people i think more people in the in the last year two years are openly calling themselves socialist than ever before in my life i'm 27 years old so and and since i can remember since i was a kid i i've never met somebody to the last two years of my life that is like yep i'm a socialist if you had said that when i was a kid it's like oh you're a nazi you know or whatever you're and and that that gives me hope that gives me hope but i the obviously there's always going to be an equal opposite reaction which is like you have marjorie taylor green i'm a christian fascist you have matt walsh i'm i'm a theocratic fascist you know my dream scenario for America 2024, I got three words for you guys. Bernie, Hillary, rematch. Let's go. That's what I, <laughs> no, that's what I, I want to oh, see. Oh, man. Just for entertainment value alone, I think the that would be the- posts would be yeah, amazing. Yeah, the posts would be immaculate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if I just pray that Bernie runs again. I oh, I want that guy to retire just for his own health. <laughs> like, I feel so bad that he's, he's still being like, drug out there. I, I admit that like I don't think I would ever be as excited about uh, about Bernie running again, but just just for the content, you know, and just because he makes some people so fucking mad, I think just for that reason, yeah. I think it would be. It would I be also good think he's inspiring. I think I, I said this: the reason I became a leftist is because of Bernie Sanders. Like I started to fall down, like I wouldn't say all right, but like similar to the all right pipeline, right? Like I was browsing 4chan. Like I knew there was some things wrong. I was working like in oil making a lot of money but like having no life at all zero life uh and i was like starting to like kind of you know blame it on conspiracy if you know what i mean like jq type stuff or adjacent right great replacement whatever was the flavor of that time like 2012 or whenever the first time bernie ran was and then i saw a bernie sanders ad that my friend on facebook had shared because he was canvassing for bernie and i was like oh like other countries in the world have free health care oh okay like this is cool. And then I was like, okay, like I, I can, I can get behind this and more and more research. And then I became a nerd and like read a book by Marx. And I was like, okay, like this is, this makes sense. Like these I guys it. were onto something. Yeah. I was yeah. like, maybe it's not <laughs> conspiracy or aliens or like chemtrails. It's actually just like capitalism, you know, or like a grotesque exploitation. Yeah. It do be like that. Yeah. Well, it's a good place to leave it, Carter. Thanks so much for joining us on the program today. It was wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, it was super nice to talk to you guys. Thank you guys for inviting me. So where can people find you and your content? Um, I stream almost every day uh, at twitch.tv slash Carter. Uh, I do political content uh, usually in the morning uh, and then like more just like general like watching stuff. Obviously, like with a, as a leftist, I can't help it. I'm brain broken. So everything has a little bit of politics in it. Um, and then... I also am on Twitter at Carter for now, and that's where you can find me. Those are the best places. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, and please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful, and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye. Goodbye.